I'm beginning a new preaching series this morning on the vision and mission of our church. We don't want to be a church that is aimlessly uh, majoring in too many things, but a church that is laser-beamed focused on what the scriptures tell us should be our vision and our mission. The pastors have been meeting regularly during COVID, uh, praying, studying the scriptures to try to better understand what is God's vision for this church? Where are we to be heading? And how are we to get to where God wants us to be? And we want all of you who are members or regular attenders of our church to know the same so that if anyone were to ask you, what is Calvary Bible Church all about? You'd have a clean, crisp answer. That would be vision. And that you would have a clean, crisp, and biblical answer to our mission. How are we going to accomplish the vision that God sets forth for us? So in other words, a what vision and a how mission. A what and a how. This sermon, as well as next week's sermon, Lord willing, will be on the what, the vision that we are to have as members of the incredible body of Christ called Calvary Bible Church. And really, when we look for the vision, it's not a secret. It's not something that's hidden from leaders of churches and members of churches globally. We have one vision, one vision that Jesus Christ gave to us upon the event of his ascension. We call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which read, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that is our mission and our vision. Our vision, let's call it the vision that the two words of make disciples, that's to be the boiled down scriptural vision of this church and every Bible-believing church, to make disciples. So what is a disciple? It's not exactly a word we use every day in our culture or our time. A disciple simply is a fully committed follower of a teacher. If anybody is in a fully committed way following any teacher, then that person biblically is a disciple. A disciple is a follower, a fully committed follower. And our church locally and the church globally in particular are to be in the business of making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? There is no other entity other than the church that will be making disciples of Christ. Maybe that's a statement you find a little hard to swallow. But I would submit to you, when it comes to making fully committed followers of Christ, that the government won't do this. And civic clubs won't do this. And secular places of education won't do this. And jails won't do this. You may be thinking, ah, yes, but pastor, the homes will. The homes will make fully committed followers of Jesus. That may be true, but the home will do that best in cooperation with the church. Do you know why? Because when the church 
serves the home in the making of disciples, then the home instantly adds many, 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 maybe 400 in this church's example or 500 of those that call Calvary Bible Church their church. When your Christian home partners with this church, you gain four to 500 committed followers of Jesus Christ to assist you in raising your children to become disciples of Christ. That sounds like a good deal to me. I want to ask you to think about something that I don't expect you can answer very quickly. In fact, I'd like you to chew on this statement over lunch today with whomever you are eating your lunch with. And here's the statement that I ask you. Do you agree with this statement? The church can make disciples without the home, but the home cannot make disciples without the church. As I say, I'll leave that statement for you to evaluate And while you're chewing on that statement, I'd invite you to also chew on this quote from Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes says, there are no churchless disciples, end of quote. He contends that there is no fully committed follower of Christ who is without a church. I think he's absolutely right. And so biblically, Calvary Bible Church has a clear and a God-given vision is to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ of all ages, children, senior citizens, young adults, teenagers. Our vision is to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing else, nothing less. You know, when I came here, I come to fully understand how much Bahamians love Kentucky and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I like it too. But we don't go to Kentucky for Chinese food, or Greek food, or Italian food. We go to Kentucky for finger-looking-good fried chicken. That's why we go. And so this church really is you and me. This building is not this church. No program of this church is really this church. This church is made up of you and me, us. Born again, redeemed children of God. We are this church. And so if we are about the vision of making fully committed followers of Christ, which we will be, then that boils down to you learning to be a fully committed follower of Christ and you helping someone else in this church to become a fully committed follower follower of Christ. And so the disciple-making process is not a program of this church. It is the vision of this church. And so making fully committed followers of Christ is not a possibility of all our church activities. It is the point of all of our church activities. And making fully committed followers of Christ is not one of many values that our church has. No, it's the vision that this church has to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Mark Devers, pastor in Washington, D.C., said this, quote, Churches don't need programs so much as they need cultures of discipling. Cultures where each member, each member prioritizes the spiritual health of others. 
we will be doing the ministry and the vision of making fully committed to followers of Christ if we create a culture in our church that you care deeply about my spiritual health, I care deeply about each of your spiritual health, and you care deeply about the spiritual health this morning of the people sitting in your pew or with you in the EWA or in your home on the live stream. A culture where every Christian cares about the spiritual health of every other Christian. That's how we will accomplish our vision. And so going back to the Great Commission verses of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we're going to see that this vision that God has given us of making fully committed followers of Jesus Christ has three parts, three participles, three words ending in I-N-G. Listen for them. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing, there's one participle, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching, there's another participle, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So this process of fulfilling the vision that God has given to this church and to every true church involves three things, going, baptizing, and teaching. Let's dig into these. Going, at a local level, that's evangelism. Going down the street to tell someone without Christ how they can be saved. Going into a neighborhood to tell people how they can trust Christ and be saved. Sharing Christ and the gospel maybe in your marriage to your spouse who's not saved. Going at a local level is evangelism. But going at a global level is missions. And our missionaries are an extension of us, and they are making fully committed followers of Christ in Bolivia, in Taiwan, in Brazil, uh, very many places. So the going part of the vision is that both a local outreach of evangelism and a global outreach of missions. And so another way to say that is we will have no holy huddled Christians. I'll expand on that later. No holy huddled Christians. The second participle is baptizing. If we're going to finish off and work toward the vision Christ has given us as a church, we are going to be about baptizing, not infant baptizing, because an infant can't confess a personal saving faith in Christ, but believer's baptism. We're going to be about baptizing believers who want to go public with a private saving faith in Christ, who want to say that they are under new management through the waters of baptism. They're going to say, I'm prepared to wear the uniform of Christ's army. You know, the Christian who is born again and refuses to be water baptized, they're basically saying that they are not willing to associate with Jesus Christ in a public way. They want to be an incognito believer in Christ, a secret believer in Christ. They're like the married person who says, don't ever call me a husband. I don't want anybody to call me a husband. But you are a husband. You're wearing a wedding ring. Or the woman with the wedding band on her finger, and she said, don't ever call me a wife. I don't want anybody to know I'm a wife. That is ludicrous. And the unbaptized, born-again Christian who would want to be a follower, committed follower of Jesus Christ, cannot be content with being unbaptized. It's that simple. Part of fulfilling our vision 
of making fully committed followers of Christ is going to our domestic lost people and to the global lost people and baptizing, asking for water baptism and going public with a private faith. That means we'll have no unaccountable Christians. You know, when Beth and I got married, there were about 700 witnesses to the wedding. Her daddy pastored a big church. We invited everybody to come to the church, but we didn't serve them a meal. (laughs) We served them uh, hors d'oeuvres. And 700 people witnessed that before God, I promised I would love and cherish Beth. She promised that she would submit and obey to me. 700 witnesses, the primary witness being God. What that meant was that if I was in a restaurant with Beth after being married to her and I wasn't te- treating her tenderly or kindly and someone from our congregation at our wedding observed that, they would have every right to come up to me and say, Pastor Elliot, may I have a word with you? And step away from the table I was dining at and say, hey man, what's the matter with you? You publicly promised to cherish Beth and how I saw you interacting with her over dinner wasn't cherishing her. You need to ask her forgiveness. You need to be different. And I can't say, mind your own business. Because he's concerned for my spiritual health, and that's why he said something. And when we are baptized, we're inviting everybody in this assembly to take an interest in their spiritual health. And we cannot say to anybody who comes up and cautions us or rebukes us for our poor spiritual health, mind your own business. No, no. Your spiritual health is that person's business. And so if we're going to fulfill this vision, we better be going, we better be baptizing and having no unaccountable Christians. And third, we better be teaching. We better be teaching the Bible. We better be teaching sound theology that's rooted in the Bible. We need to be a teaching church. We need to, with Colossians 1.28, which says, and we proclaim him, Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man complete in Christ. That is why we teach. We are working by teaching the Bible to present every believer, from the youngest believer to the eldest believer, we're working to present every believer back to God complete in Christ. That's part of our vision of making fully committed followers of Christ. Put another way, this teaching means that we're aiming for Christ-likeness for every Christian. We understand that every Christian in our care as an assembly is to be presented eventually back to God, complete in Christ, and we're going to contribute to that presentation by teaching God's word intentionally, thoroughly, accurately, lovingly, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And by that participle teaching, we're saying no untaught, spiritual, baby Christians. We don't want any untaught, spiritually immature Christians to just be able to hang out in this church and never advance in their maturity in the Word of God or in Christ. Now, I'm going to come back to those three things I said I would. Namely, I'm going to come back to no holy huddle. I'm going to come back to uh, no unaccountable Christians. And I'm going back to no untaught spiritual baby Christians. Let's start with the holy huddle. We will not settle for being a holy huddle as a church. When churches comfortably holy huddle, 
and just think about themselves, they have missed the vision the New Testament has for them. They have missed that they are to make fully committed followers of Christ, and instead they are just looking out for their own personal interests. I didn't like the sermon this week. The service went too long this week. No holy huddles, because a church that reduces itself to a holy huddle and does not care about the lost around the corner or the lost in the globe, they have become a self-serving church and not a Christ-serving church. They are off point when it comes to God's will. They are inward, as I've said, and not outward. They are all wrapped up in themselves, are these churches, and anything wrapped up only in itself is a very, very small package. (laughs) There were no churches back when Jesus' parable was told, but when the priest And the Levite passed the mugged and nearly dead man who eventually the Samaritan helped. If there was a church back then, (laughs) the priest and the Levite would have been members of the Holy Huddle Church. There's another way that a church can make the mistake of becoming a holy huddle, and that's to believe or to act like they are better than any other church. So they don't need any other church, and they don't partner with any other church. They're just a standalone, spiritually proud collection of believers. We don't want to be that. That's another form of being a holy huddle. Because this huddling that some churches fall into leads to ministry spiritual pride. It leads into ministry inefficiencies and redundancies. It leads to greater financial costs of winning the lost and discipling the saved. And it's a very, very poor testimony to those outside of any church that holy huddles in this way to see that that church can't even get along with any other church. Poison for a church's testimony. My prayer for 2021, one of the things I'm praying for, is that we will form better relationships and better cooperation with other evangelical churches in our city that share our doctrinal beliefs. We must not holy huddle. The apostles didn't stay in one little closed group in the upper room after Pentecost. You know what they did. They broke the huddle. They cooperated with other leaders of fledging churches whom they discipled and trained, by the way, and astoundingly, with the Holy Spirit's blessing getting out of the holy huddle, those first followers of Christ in the first churches of Jesus Christ turned the known world upside down. I wonder what would happen in Nassau if some evangelical churches with the same doctrinal statement were to band together and do some things together. I wonder what God would do to bless that unity and cooperation and humility. I just wonder. I think it would be good things. And so, incredible body of Christ, we must avoid holy huddling. But there's more. We don't want to be okay with light commitment to Jesus Christ. You may want to go light on your calories and your diet. That's good. But don't you dare go light on your commitment to Jesus Christ. 
We don't want to be a church full of persons who are light in their commitment to the Savior. By the way, can I say something in love? If you have not yet become a formal member of this church, what are you waiting for? This would be a good year to join this church because when you take out formal membership, you are saying, I'm in alignment with the vision of this church to make fully committed followers of Christ, which means that I want to be a fully committed follower of Christ. And if you become a member of your church, I've seen it time and time again in 34 years of pastoring four churches. When the person becomes a formal member of a church, it pushes them to spiritual growth and Christ-likeness. Why don't you join this church? What's stopping you? You know, some people say, well, there's no mention of church membership in the New Testament. Really? (laughs) Really? There was no such thing, I would contend, in the New Testament of a Christian who is not formally and consistently identified with a local expression of a church in a house. What we would call church membership. Why was that? Because Christians in the first century, it was a life and death proposition. They needed the protection and encouragement and networking of other believers. So they weren't hopping around churches, house churches, and picking one for certain programs and one for another certain programs. They banded together. There was no thing, such thing as a solo Christian in the first century because it was life and death. They joined local churches. If you want to know about joining this church, you could dial the office, 326-0800. Love to hear from you this week. But there's another way that church light commitment to Christ is to be rejected. When a church does not call converts to Christ within them to the public commitment to Christ through the waters of baptism, that church is off point and off vision. They are really a lazy boy recliner church of fair weather Christians. Not obeying in the matter of being water baptized after you're born again is like getting married, as I said a moment ago, and denying anybody the uh, right to call you a husband or, or a wife. Not being water baptized after your conversion is like saying, I'm not hanging any under new management sign in my life. It's like saying, I'll go it alone. I don't want anybody messing around with me, calling me to a higher standard of following Christ. I'll just lay low, sit back, follow Jesus when it's convenient. Or there's an advantage to follow Jesus. But other times, ah, not so much. Because a person who's born again and has not asked for water baptism is not just following Jesus at a distance. Such a person is not following Jesus at all. May I remind us that Jesus Christ, our Savior, himself was baptized giving us a very gracious example that we should be. Again, if you are not yet baptized, I urge you to request water baptism. We'll find a way to do it with COVID protocols. 
we'll find a way. You could also phone the church office about requesting baptism, 326-0800. You see, churches which live with, tolerate, coddle, like commitment to Christ are not battleships. They're cruise ships. They are uncommitted armies which are really disobedient daycares. Can we see that clip, please? They didn't wait for summer. They didn't wait for more than one person to get baptized. Not light commitment. Deep commitment to following Jesus Christ. 
We don't want to be a church of light commitment to Christ because we can't properly fully follow him with light commitment. John MacArthur said this, Jesus is not offering a makeover. He's calling for a takeover. Very different from the easy kind of Christianity light that we are so familiar with. Then I don't know who to credit the next quote to, but it is this. It seems so many in the church today want to talk about their experience. True disciples should be talking more about their commitment. This church does not exist to make any Christian more comfortable. This church rather exists to make every Christian more committed. We've seen two don'ts so far. Don't be a holy huddle and don't be okay with light commitments to Christ. The third and final don't. Don't be okay with biblical ignorance. When churches don't work hard or plan adequately to instruct their people in the scriptures, then we are social clubs. We are not spiritual schools. And one way you can find a good church, college students from our assembly who go abroad to study, they sometimes ask me, what do I look for in a good church? Well, one of the things that makes a church a good church is to judge whether or not that church sees Christ as sufficient, the Bible as authoritative, and believers to be Christ-like. You see, in churches where the Bible is not taught and not preached, or if it is taught and preached, it's not truly heard by the people, in those kind of churches, you've got spiritual rebellion. Churches with don't have the Bible in the middle of everything they do have Bible-ignoring or Bible-ignorant rebels, I said rebels, at their center instead. And then there is a famine for God's word in the congregation. Don't take my word for it, but take God's revelation in Scripture on this. Bible-starved believers in Bible-deprived churches wind up as rebels to God. We know that when the Proverbs was given, the church had not yet been born, but the principle in Proverbs applies in this church age. Proverbs 29, verse 18, says this about the famine of God's word among believers. Where there is no vision... That is direction from God, from Scripture. That's what's meant here. Where there is no direction from God in Scripture, then people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. That's Proverbs 29, verse 18. May we as a church, with the vision of making fully committed followers of Jesus Christ, may we as a church be happily restrained by the Bible so that we are accomplishing God's vision for us of making fully committed followers of Jesus. One more thing about making disciples, and then I'll sit down. You are going to have to be friendly to be a part of our church's project of making fully committed followers of Christ. Do you know why? 
Mark Devers tells us in this quote why we must be friendly. Really, the how of discipling is not that complicated. It's about doing life together with other people as you journey toward the cross. We make friends and then walk them in a Christ-word direction. That's disciple-making. That each of us makes a friend in this congregation, and together you both walk toward Christ-likeness. So that's not a program. That's not a budgetary line item. That's forensic disciple-making. We're friendly. We make a friend inside this congregation, and together you walk through the instances of life toward being Christ-like. It's that simple. Now, basically, Proverbs 18.24 says, to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. You don't want a sour look on your face with your arms folded and you just make it in time for the service or you're late and then you dash out the back door before the service lets out. That's not being friendly. We can be friendly with the social distance protocol and the masks and the sanitizations. We can be friendly. And maybe God will show you the friend he wants you to make so together you can get in this exciting process of becoming better followers of Jesus Christ. And just to point out something obvious, Friendship and, and uh, disciple-making, that's how the Lord Jesus did it. <laughs> he made 12 friends. And then he spent time with them, teaching them and modeling for them what it means to be righteous. So in 2021, we won't wholly huddle. We won't be okay with light commitment to Christ. And we won't be okay with biblical ignorance. But we will, with by God's grace, we will, and by God's grace and for God's glory, we will make fully committed followers of Christ. Because that's our God-given vision. More on this next Sunday, if the Lord spares our lives. Let's pray. As I've been preaching, Lord, about being a fully committed follower of Christ, I've prayed this week that you would move your people to commitment. And Lord, I would just ask now that the believers in this sanctuary who have already made themselves fully committed followers of Christ, if they would just stand. If you've already said, I'm a fully committed follower of Christ, would you please stand to your feet? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would there be anyone who, having heard this message and challenge and call, that hasn't said, I want to be a fully committed follower of Jesus, that you would stand with these and join them? Almost everyone's standing. Praise the Lord. That means that you need to be friendly and find a friend in the congregation and together walk toward Christ-likeness. That means that you'll be highly committed to following Christ like the man in the Ukrainian baptism. It means that you won't settle for biblical ignorance in your life. It's not what your spouse knows about the Bible. It's not what your Grammy knew about the Bible. 
It's what do you know about the Bible? Do you want to know more? Do you want to study it for yourself? Do you want to grow in the scriptures? I think you do. And then, by standing as you are and I'm standing with you, by being committed to being a fully committed follower of Jesus, we need to break down denominational walls in our thinking. We need to be ready to have discernment. What is a Bible-believing church in this city? Who believes what the Bible teaches that we believe what the Bible teaches? Could you reach out, encourage, do what you can together? And we as leaders, we're going to do what we can prayerfully to organize things that cooperate with other churches of like precious faith. Oh God, we thank you for these who are standing. We thank you, Lord, that there's a time in their lives when They understood that you are commanding them to follow you closely and they have been undertaking to follow you closely ever since. Thank you, Lord. And those of us who are standing, Lord, recognize we have a lot to learn. We have areas of our lives that need to be surrendered. We have conditions upon our obedience, perhaps, that need to be waived. Lord, I pray that when persons want to know how to become a fully committed follower of Jesus, that this church would be one of the churches in Nassau they would think of, want to be a part of. Oh, Lord, thank you for doing a great thing in the boardroom with the pastors before this message, and now a great thing in the sanctuary with this message from God for the people of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, and God's fully committed followers of Jesus said, amen.